Welcome to episode 93 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about the strange way bees are finally going to receive protection in California, while I share a story about a chimpanzee who escaped a zoo in Ukraine. We learn about two new super cool picks for this week, and about our odd animal of the week. So let's get to it. Episode 93 of the Animal Addicts Podcast starts right now. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new batch of super cool animals. But before we get into that, uh, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? I went to Halloween Horror Nights. How was that? It was a lot of fun, but it was complicated at first. Complicated? Because, so I paid for the tickets initially because yeah. my sister is too broke to afford to go. And it's, so I always paid for her ticket. Um, but I also, we also got a ticket for her friend who was supposed to come with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't pay that ticket. I got paid back for that. Um, but, um, she ended up having to cancel because she forgot because we have to go on a Saturday because my sister works on mm-hmm. Monday, so she can't do a Sunday or else she'll die at work. Right. I've um, done that with Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah. done that and gone straight to work the next day. Ugh. Yeah. It was not great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so instead my mom came with us. It's mm-hmm. the first time she ever been to Halloween Horror Nights. Um, and we were paranoid at first. It's like, what if this is the year they actually check our IDs and I have to deal with people? <laughs> I have to deal with people? I don't like going to guest services. Oh. I feel like they judge me because I worked in retail and I judge everyone. Oh, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Because you replaced the person. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So anyway, they didn't check IDs, so we just went on through. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. We went on all but two of the mazes. Okay. We didn't do um, Killer Clowns for Outer Space because <gasps> they did... <laughs> That's awful. I would love to see you go through that. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, we ended up, they did that one back in 2019 too. We didn't do it back then. And based on what we know, it's kind of more funny than scary. Kind of like the Ghostbusters one back in 2019 too. And the other one we didn't do is La Llorona. Okay. Um, that one I wanted to do, but the line never died down for that one. It was never shorter than... 70 minutes throughout the whole night. Oh, that's not that bad. I remember I those mazes being like two hours long. Yeah, some of them are, but at least at some point they go down oh, below okay. an hour, at least for a short time. But that one was consistently around 70 to 120 minutes the whole night. And at one point it got to 200 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Are they still doing Slaughter World or are they only doing the mazes no, now and just, the tram? Yeah. No, instead they have the Jabberwockies. Oh, that's right. That's right. That would be yeah. cool. Yeah. They, it was better this year okay. um, than last year's. But so that's that's what we did first. And we didn't total a car this time. So we actually got our early admission. (laughs) Helpful. (laughs) Yes. So we got to go on Jurassic World once and we did the tram as well. Yeah. I always like the tram part. That one's fun. Yeah. If you can go at when there's extended hours during the summer, go at night. Because when you go through the Jurassic Park sections, there's the thing from Jurassic Park uh, to the trailer. And there's actually screens on there. And it shows people getting attacked by raptors. (laughs) It's I love it. Um, but yeah, so my favorite maze was Halloween because it's my favorite horror movie mm-hmm. and it actually did a good job at scaring me. Good job. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny though because my sister, every maze my sister was holding onto my arm. It was like, <laughs> and that one she had her worst scream because it's something that happened behind her. And yeah. she was like, 
was <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Um, they actually had a lot of original mazes instead of ones based off of movies. Okay. Um, and some of them we weren't even like anticipating of really going to or enjoying. One of them was Scarecrow, and that was probably the second best one. <laughs> That sounds like it'd be creepy. It was. It, it smelled. Yeah, I. Ugh, they do the I like it when they do that it. more immersive. To me, I like it. I yes, it's just sometimes you're like, okay, this is nice. Yeah, and they actually did a good job at scaring us too. Um, probably even more than the Halloween house, mm-hmm. which those were probably the scariest ones. I think um, you would hate going with me. Yeah. Because I turn into princess mode, so I don't get yeah, scared. Yeah, that's the bane of my existence at horror nights. <laughs> But anyways, um, yeah, the, that one was really surprisingly good. And it was so funny because it was long, um, it seemed like, compared to other ones. Though it probably wasn't. Um, and my sister was like, ah, oh, there's more! <laughs> and she was going through the later parts and was like, enough! 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 <laughs> it was so funny. Um, if you are going, one, if you can't do them all, the one I would say skip would be the hotel. Okay. Um, completely unmemorable to me. I literally had to go look back at our video because I could not remember <laughs> what the maze was. That's how underwhelming it was to me. Um, and the legends collide. Um, that one was like Dracula, Mummy, and Wolfman. Because I like the classic That's, horror. Yeah, I like those classic I like the ones. classic ones, but I don't feel like that one was very well done. Okay. And the scares weren't very good. It's like overly obvious when it was happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I was surprised by the weekend um, maze. Like, yeah, the weekend. Like the singer? <laughs> they, they did one for that. That's um, really weird. Yeah. <laughs> the second half of that maze was better. Um, and my sister and I, our, one of our complaints was like, I felt like they should have increase the volume of his music so you could hear it better <laughs> that's really weird I, yes, but... know. I think that's just the horrors of the music industry is yeah. what that one would be yeah but overall it was a really fun night and yeah good times yep very good times. i wanted and to I go can't wait till next year i got an invite from a friend and i just i have no money right now <laughs> and also i was just like oh the timing's just not mm-hmm. gonna work and obviously as it gets closer i mean it's more expensive so yeah. i'm like i don't and now I'd have no one to go with even if I went. And again, I can't eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'd be like, no, you have to let yeah. me bring my Jersey Mike's in Universal because they're not open oh, at yeah. 1 a.m. for me to they go They never them. say, except for the one time um, for Horror Nights that we were late, mm-hmm. they say you can't bring out food or drinks. And yeah. But this time and back in 2019, they did not care. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And it's like my defense is always like, I'm diabetic. I need food to bring up my blood sugar. <laughs> like, I have to, to survive. Yeah. Uh, but the first maze we actually did was the Blumhouse one, which is a combination of Freaky, which is a horror comedy. Okay. Um, that's one where the teenage girls somehow switches bodies with a serial killer. And that's so, kind of fun. Yeah. Um, it's like Happy Death Day. Have you ever seen that? Mm-mm. Yeah. It's a that kind of style movie. It's made by the same director, too. And um, The Black Phone, which I enjoyed and actually did go see. Hmm, okay yeah. interesting mm-hmm. yeah i never really did many of the mazes but mm-hmm. i would like to but yeah. i'd also like to not have to be the yeah. dude and they did a good job at scaring us um in the scare zones too oh, there's just always so many clowns 
It's the worst. Oh, I love it. Um, if there's certain times of night where the guys with the chainsaws all gather in a circle and it's like start revving and it's like then at the end it's like and they all go scatter Have and chase you. Have you ever been the last people to leave? Yes. It's awful. It's awesome. It's awful. You're like there's awesome. no one even else for them to go after. They're all gonna come after it's, us because there's the no best. one else here. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. And they actually kicked some people out because they were staying and they didn't have the wristbands. So like, I'm surprised you stayed as long as you could. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not surprised. I would try to. Because mm-hmm. all that stuff is so good. I really want to do Oogie Boogie mm-hmm. so bad. Mm-hmm. But it's so expensive. Yeah. But I want to do it so, so bad. But also <laughs> I want to do it when COVID's not really... COVID's never going away. But like when COVID's not as bad. Cause It'll be two years. I don't even think it'll be gone in two years. But also... That's what I've seen projected. Also, I need to when be, able be endemic to eat. Theoretically, I could eat pizza, but anyway. Mm. But I've also heard with Oogie Boogie, mm-hmm. obviously it's cool because they have a bunch of characters they don't have and they have like special parades and stuff, but they give you like so much candy, which is obviously more for children. But mm-hmm. they give it to adults too, so I'm like, so you, I mean, that would be like at least $20 worth of candy you're mm-hmm. getting. <laughs> but anyways, I want to go there so bad and I want to do um, Six Flags. I would like to do Knots again too. Well, I, I, might, I um... would like to do Horror Nights again. One of my we, best friends from college, she does um, Not Scary Farm, which I've never done. That one I like. Oh, yeah? Well, mostly because Knott's has more rides mm-hmm. than Universal. Um, when we went, I've only done that one once. They had one maze that I really liked because it was like a Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. theme, and I like that one a lot. Yeah. But um, but I do think it's better just because they have more rides, whereas Universal is very limited in rides. Mm. So if you can pretty much only do mazes. <laughs> and then back when they had Bill and Ted and other stuff, and there was other things to do. Um but now I wouldn't be as into it. I would just, we need to be wealthy so that one year we should just go to all of them. <laughs> we should just do all of them and be like, we're going to compare oh my all of the, well, the main ones, the main theme parks mm-hmm. like that. Well, like I was actually talking to my sister um, last year. The reason why we like Universal is because like a lot of the mazes are themed after movies was like, it, yeah. it's like more immersive that way to us than like more just generic general it can be but like for example like a jack the ripper is like a very specific thing Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean if it's just like whatever but anyway it also depends on the movie they're using Mm -hmm. so anywho all right well that's fine well a great segue a horror (laughs) from my poor little cat so if you've ever had a cat this has happened This is like a passage, a rite of passage. <laughs> they get a bag stuck on their head. So I had, it was like, not that early in the morning, but I was still sleeping. And I hear her like moving around. I'm like, what paper do you have? And I'm like, what are you doing? So then she like got up and ran. And then I hear it dry. I'm like, oh no, she has a bag on her head. So I have my, um, when I have to sometimes do um, uh, DoorDash for Jersey Mike's and I'll get a giant. So it lasts two days. Anyway tip for people anyway so they're like a long bag right now has the little it's a paper bag and then it has handles so of course she was sticking her face in it like she does and then she got freaked out and then of course when they run and the bag is attached then the bag is now chasing them so it freaks them out more so then they run harder unfortunately this was a bag i was using for trash in my room so then there was trash scattered Aww. throughout the house so then she managed to so i, I like when i realized when i heard the noise i was like oh fuck she's in the trash bag and she's and it's caught her now she's running so then i like go out like days and i'm like blind without my glasses y'all and i don't sleep in contact so i'm like getting my glasses trying to see what's happening I'm, like what's going on and by the time i get out my door she's now made around in the house has now <laughs> jumped back in under my bed <laughs> 
And I'm like, I can't get the bag off you if you're under my bed. Oh, my God. Anyway, so I go out to start collecting all the trash that is now strewn about the house. And then I get to where she went to the living room. She must have gone in between the coffee table and the couch. So lucky since it's a paper bag, it mostly broke off. Mm-hmm. So she only had part of the bag on oh. her still. <laughs> By this point, so I was able to collect most of the bag in the trash, try to wipe all that up, and then go dump that. And then I'm like, okay, well, now you're under the bed, and I can't get to you to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So anyway, and I saw her dive back under or over the headboard with bags all attached. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God. So then I had to wait hours, and then at one point I heard movement because the bag's still attached. So I hear movement going, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I kind of reach down because she gets down, like, in between boxes or something where I can't get to her. I reach down, I'm able to grab the bag, and she pulls away all freaked out, so I get, like, part more, more of the bag <laughs> rips off in my hand, but she is still not detached from the bag. Where's my phone? I was going to show you. Oh, here it is. Anyway, so, um, but anyway, so then finally she comes out from the... <laughs> over the headboard with this bag still attached to her and um, if she'd gotten out everyone would have known whose cat she was because it was a DoorDash bag so they had like my receipt with my name on it attached so um, this is my cat this is what was left of it by the time it had broken off and like she (laughs) had ripped off more of it anyway she's she's chunky it's a problem I've enlisted my dad to also try and help convince people that she's chunky and it's not working out well anyway (laughs) Yeah, no, she's chunks. Anyway, so, um, but yeah. So anyway, so she had her first bag stuck on her head experience, which if you are a cat owner, I don't think I've ever had a cat that has not had this experience. I've seen videos where, like, some cats turn it into a game where the owner will place down a bag, open it, and they go, dart into it, and then they lift them up. But that's the difference of, like, going in the bag versus the candle getting stuck on their yeah. head. But, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's, it, yeah, but some cats like that. And obviously, if you have a paper bag, they're going to be inside that. Hello, that's mm-hmm. fun. But, yeah, because it's just, they freak out, and then they run, and then the bag chases them because it's attached to them, and they don't get that, and they freak out. And I remember in college when I came home, my one roommate's cat, and it was a plastic bag, and, like, I get home, I see him sitting, and he's got this bag, and he's just resigned himself at this point, and I was like, how long, because I got home from class, you know, late in the afternoon, I'm like, how long has this bag been attached to you, so I go, like, and remove it, and he's just like, oh, oh <laughs> he's just sad, I'm like, how long have you been running around with this today, huh, mm. anyway, so, there you go, the joys of cat ownership, bags stuck mm. on their heads anyway as long as it's not they don't you know suffocate yeah but just and then i was worried i'm like are you because i'm like the handle's not that tight so i was like i just so i'm like hopefully you didn't suffocate on your way down in there but and it was a whole it was a whole to do mm. but anyway um on into things that we actually want to talk about today so casey what did you want to talk about yes breaking news bees are fish what this seems crazy (laughs) yes so you may remember i think it was last season um that i talked about an instance where bees were initially being amended to be on the california endangered species list um but a court ruled that the endangered species act of california does not protect insects Insects, right yeah i remember that okay yeah now this has gone up to the appellate courts Mm -hmm. and they have ruled (laughs) are you serious under the law Bees are fish. <laughs> okay, because here's the thing. Oh my god, this is an adventure. Because okay. fish are included as protect, um, being protected under the Endangered Species Act in California. Okay. But under the fish category includes things like shrimp, lobsters, and crabs, 
which are invertebrates. Oh. And now because those invertebrates are and um closely related to insects, they have ruled that because it includes these invertebrates, their relationship to insects, that these that insects can indeed be qualified as fish under the law of California. Oh my gosh, what a workaround. <laughs> so now these bees can legally be protected in the state and it opens the way for migratory monarch butterflies I, to also being protected. I just imagine a like legally blonde type situation where Laura was like, fine, <laughs> this. And they're like, you're technically correct. <laughs> so fine. <laughs> That's insane. But yeah, the these bees basically are gaining protections due to them now being fish. So if anyone asks, <laughs> in the state bees. of California, bees are fish. Yep. <laughs> That'd be terrifying if a fish was flying around and could sting you. I mean, they can, some fish, yeah. but they're not flying around. Because mm-hmm. flying fish don't sting you. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, is that pretty much the, yeah. the, the, the That's the gist of the story. Okay. All right. Well, mine is pretty short today, too. All right. Um... And my story is how an escaped chimpanzee returns to Kharkiv Zoo on a keeper's bicycle. So um, in Ukraine, a a chimpanzee got out of a zoo and one of the um, zookeepers was able to coax it back. And it was raining, I think, and they put a rain jacket over it. Like it was cold and they put a rain jacket over it. And then this chimpanzee rode back to the zoo on a bike. (laughs) It's It's very, very strange. Um, anyway, so... I'd be terrified doing that. Yes. So, I don't know why the story was working before, and now it's not. So, anyway, I'll just tell you the basis of it, and hopefully it'll actually work when I connect this. But essentially, so this is... I don't... Now I don't have the names of the zoos. But anyway, so this chimpanzee wasn't a zoo that was getting heavily bombed and everything, so they moved them to another zoo. Anyway, and then this zoo is still getting shellings and stuff, but it's not as... It's not as bad in this city. Anyway, so it didn't say, at least that I remember how the chimpanzee got out. But anyway, um, there you go. She was able to just coax him back and be like come on back with me buddy and he did anyway also in the article which hopefully will work for you when i post it or i'll try to find another one um they were saying how i think it was the zoo that this one came from they lost over 100 animals from bombings and stuff and multiple people who were trying to evacuate the animals died too including like a teenager i think anyway so russia you suck (laughs) well not all of russia sucks putin people in russia you suck and the area where people don't live, you don't suck. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Whether you know there's like just moose and so where animals and... live, you don't suck. Um, they also don't care if we say they suck. They don't. Care. You've also called other animals ugly recently. So anyway, but yeah, so it's a crazy story. I'm sorry, I don't know why the article's not working right now, but that is the gist of it, and I will share it or a like one that this uh, chimpanzee got out and she just talked nicely to it. And it came back, and then they put a coat on it because it was raining and cold, apparently. And then, But the best part is it's riding a bike back. That's, to me, what is amazing. I would expect them to, like, hold hands and walk it back. Nope, it's on a bike, and it's just, like, chilling. And they're just, they're wheeling it back to the zoo. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it also just makes me think of, like, how this whole, you know, crisis in Russia, Ukraine. It's just killing animals, mm-hmm. and this is why people suck. Yeah. It reminds me of, I actually saw this movie about, um this one zoo um, that was actually um, 
not really related other than it involves war. But um, back in World War II, this zoo in the Netherlands um, was taking and hiding um, Jewish civilians in their in the zoo. Yeah, <laughs> hiding them um, in the backward. Like yep. you can't go there. There's tigers back there. They'll mm-hmm. eat you. <laughs> that seems like a good choice. Yep, it's amazing. Yeah, they did a lot of hiding people. Mm-hmm. Go Dutch people save people in my family. Right. Anyway, um, I think they died for it though. Mm. I'm sorry. People in my family were the Dutch that saved people. Oh. I don't remember. Anyway. <laughs> Anywho, Dutch people were killed for saving people. Let's put it that way. Anyway, <laughs> so um, yeah, but it just makes me really sad. So like, they did evacuate a lot of the animals from the zoo where this chimpanzee originated from, but a lot of them didn't make it out, and they killed a bunch of people too. And I'm like, you're just terrible for your freaking small dick that you are, and you know, make it up for, but you're not because you suck. Anyway, so there we go. So that's the story. Again, I'll try to find the actual article, but that's basically, much like Casey's, that's the gist of it. He got out, they coaxed him back, he wore a little rain jacket for a while, and then they took him back to the zoo on a bicycle. It, whenever I see, like, chimpanzees specifically with, like, raincoats and stuff like that, it reminds me of people keeping them pets. It reminds me of the incident. I don't remember which state it was, but this one girl had a pet chimpanzee, and it was attacking her friend when she was trying to help get him into his cage. Ch- nice. Yeah. No, yeah, chimpanzees should not be pets. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I'd want to, as a zookeeper, be next to a chimpanzee. But mm. I guess if you're the one who works with them all the time, you yeah. think that that's better than having. The to funny thing them? is, I'm like more used to seeing like bonobos, even though they're less common in zoos. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so but there we much go. Nicer. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're just very sexually free too. Yeah. Anyway, um, so there you go. So that's the story. Um, and uh, Casey. Yes, Allie. What is the chimpanzee's favorite fruit? I do not know. An apricot. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. You love me. Anyway, is that your true horror story? Is like a horror maze is just a bunch of puns being thrown at you the whole time? Yep. I want to make this a reality. I think it'd be great. People would hate it. It's just like dad jokes and puns, and you just have to go through all of them. (sighs) Anyway, it's great. All right, well, that is going to bring us to our picks for this week. And this was Casey's um, category, and when you hear the category, that will make all the sense. (laughs) Anyway, so Casey, once again, also very broad. (laughs) I'm giving – the world is your oyster. You do this every time. It could have been an oyster. It could have been. I didn't want it to be. Anyway, so tell us, what was the category? North American Invertebrates. Great. And what did you go with? Anilocymus studiosus. Does it not have a common name? Kind of. Oh, okay. All right. Um, The species belongs to the family Theridididae. Theridididae? Theridididae. Theridididae. Yep. Okay, great. Which are commonly known as the cobweb spiders, but are sometimes called comb-footed spiders as well. Cobweb spiders, but all spiders, we call them cobwebs that they make. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. This is the same family that the black widows belong to, but this species' venom is not nearly as potent. These species are found in parts of South America, like Argentina, up to the southern eastern United States, including regions along the Gulf, including states like Texas, Florida, and Oklahoma. They are a very small species of spider, measuring only about 8 millimeters in length. Millimeters? Mm-hmm. That's so little. Yeah. Holy snap. Okay. Like the vast majority of spider species, they are predators that feed on a variety of insects. Uh, Like the common name of their family suggests, they make very disorganized webs that appear all tangled in order to catch their prey. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) 
These spiders are actually decent parents as the females will lay an egg sac and watch over it until they are ready to hatch. When the time comes, the female will open the egg sac, um, to, which allows the spiderlings to emerge, and she will regurgitate what's left of her last meal, which the spiderlings will feed on. I think you've said this before, but spiderlings is the cutest thing. <laughs> I forgot that was a thing. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yep. However, the characteristic of this species that makes it unique amongst spiders is that it is among the few species among over 30,000 that are considered to be social. Aww. This has led to some giving the rarely used common name of social cobweb or tangleweb spiders. Um, the spider's genus Anelocymus is actually the subject of a lot of research because it encompasses a large range of forms of sociality from solitary species to highly social spiders. Okay. These spiders, though, vary in many ways when compared to the social insects. Um, for starters, they do not have a queen that has sterile offspring as all spiders in the colony can reproduce. There is also no division of labor amongst the spiders in caste. Um, instead, all the spiders cooperate in multiple jobs, including web maintenance, hunting, and caring for the offspring. However, there may be some division of labor based on individual spiders' personalities. Some individuals have been described as more aggressive, and they will usually perform jobs like catching prey or scaring off intruders, while more docile spiders will act more like babysitters standing guard over the egg sacs and feeding the spiderlings. That's cool. Mm-hmm. They have also found that colonies with more diverse personalities of spiders have greater survival rates than those are more, that are more homogenous. Celebrate our differences. Mm -hmm. One of the benefits of these spiders living in groups is that they can catch much larger prey that can be up to 10 times their size. Oh boy. As a comparison, most solitary spiders are only able to catch insects twice their size. Okay. This has been attributed to something called the ricochet effect. This applies to when um, prey is trying to escape a spider web. In a solitary species, the prey has a decent chance of escaping. But with social spiders, when the prey escapes one web, it is likely to just get entangled by another web. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> one way in which they are similar to some social insects is that there is a female by sex ratio. With some colonies of spiders, the females outnumber the males 9 to 1. Wow. Mm-hmm. The spiders will also communally guard the egg sacs in the web. After hatching, many juveniles will stay in their natal web until they reach maturity, which results in the formation of multi-generational colonies. That's so cute! <laughs> this is another advantage of social living for these spiders, as it is lead to greater survival outcomes for the offspring. Scientists have also found that juveniles in colonies survive longer than and develop quicker than the solitary spiderlings. The mothers also have shorter intervals between broods, meaning they can have a second brood earlier than solitary spiders, resulting in more surviving offspring. Hmm. As mentioned earlier, sociality is very rare among spiders, as there are only 23 species that display some degree of sociality, but it has evolved independ independently multiple times across eight different families of spiders. These social spiders have been described by some scientists in comparison to lions, um, with both being social exceptions to a stereotypically solitary group of animals. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm a fan of those. I'm going to have to go look at a picture of them. But they're so little. Also, it just reminded me while I was measuring that, um, 
I forgot to say when we talked about the Harris Hawk mm-hmm. last week, um, I'm a 5'3 person and my wingspan was like 130 centimeters. <laughs> so that thing is real close to my wingspan. Mm. That freaked me out. Anyway, speaking of things that can fly, yay! I chose the Green Darner Dragonfly because, of course, Casey gave us a hugely broad topic because Casey loves to do that and I had narrowed down for myself and I was like all right I'm gonna choose a dragonfly because they're awesome I don't think we've talked about any gra- dragonflies we have I not believe we have so and then of course well really I wanted to try to find dragonflies I've seen before and I couldn't find any of the ones that I thought I'd seen before and I was like well this one's pretty so there we go that's how Allie chooses things we know this by now mm-hmm. anyway so the green donor fly dragonflies um scientific name is Annex Junuis. Genius, something like that. Yep, anyway, great. Okay, the species is one of the most widely distributed dragonfly species. It is found throughout the U.S., extending north into Southern California and south into parts of Mexico. They are also known to partake in migrations down into Central America during the winter months. They can be found in a large variety of habitats, but are most commonly found near bodies of fresh water. Like other dragonfly species, they have very short lifespans and only live a few weeks to a little over a month. So sad. Anyway, however, the juvenile stage of their life cycle can last up to two years. What? That's why you were laughing? Because I hadn't gotten there yet. (laughs) This is so weird. What? That's what? (laughs) This doesn't make sense. (laughs) That's crazy. Then I feel like their lifespan is two years plus a few weeks. Ugh, I hate it. Anyway, okay. They measure in at about 68 uh, to 80 millimeters in length. Let's see if it's one of the bigger ones. Oh, I'm not going to do that math right now. Anyway, it's like, they're, oh, that's big. Oh, no. You were doing that. That's not big. Okay, anyway. Um, they're decent size. There we go. That's what it is. Anywho, um, like other dragonflies, they are voracious predators that feed on a large variety of insect species. Even their offspring, which are known as naiads, are predatory and will even feed on prey as large as tadpoles and small fish. <laughs> what? See, I always pick something because it's pretty yeah. and then it's cool. This is what usually winds up happening. Anyway. All right. The dragonflies are amongst the most successful predators on the planet, having a successful kill rate of 95%? What? Who's even better than them? None. <laughs> Oh my gosh, y'all, I pick cool things. Okay, anyway, um, as a comparison, a pride of lions has a success rate of just 25%. This makes them very important for insect control as a single dragonfly can consume from 30 to 100 mosquitoes each day. We need to have a lot of dragonflies. Also, I do believe, what is it, the black-footed cat is a 60% success rate? 60 to 70%. Something like that, yeah. They're the most deadly cat. So they got nothing on a dragonfly. Anyway. So, part of the reason for these animals' great hunting ability is due to the dragonfly's compound eyes. Compound eyes are made up of several lenses to form images, and with the larger number of lenses, they greater... The greater the vision, not they the greater... (laughs) That was very confusing. I'll just take that again. Compound eyes are made up of several lenses to form images, and with the larger number of lenses, the greater the vision, and dragonflies of the highest number of lenses um, than any other insect containing 30,000 lenses, right? Yes, lenses. Okay, yes. 
That's a lot. They also have more. You didn't give us a comparison. What do normal animals have? Well, my comparison would be insects, which can vary from a couple hundred to, I believe, in honeybees, it's around 3,000. Okay. Oh, that's a lot then. Okay. They also have uh, more pigment proteins in their eyes than humans, so they can see more vision pigments. In fact, they can detect up to 30 different vision pigments. The size and shape of their eyes gives the dragonfly 360 degrees of vision. It's crazy. Despite all these visual adaptations, they probably have very limited ability to form images, but they are incredibly sensitive to movement. Another aspect... I just checked. It's about... Around six to 7,000 lenses for a honeybee. Okay. So they have a lot more than pretty much everyone else. Cool, cool. Another aspect of their anatomy that contributes to their successful hunt rate is how their nervous system works because they do not have a centralized nervous system. Instead, along with their brain in the head of the dragonfly, they also have ganglia, which are basically bundles of nerves scattered throughout their body. And these ganglia control different parts of the body, so there is a much shorter distance from nerve impulses to travel in order to trigger a response, giving them incredible reflexes. So not cat-like reflexes, but dragonfly-like reflexes? Cool. Dragonflies are often confused with one of their close relatives, the damselfly, but can be easily distinguished by the fact that they are much larger than damselflies and their wings are held horizontally at rest while damselflies hold theirs folded back. Oh, interesting. Okay. The green darner um, gets its name from the fact that it is green in color and that darner dragonflies got their name due to their resemblance to a darning needle. The scientific name of the species, Annex junius, um... I feel like I got it right the first time and not so right this time. <laughs> anyway, it roughly translates to Lord of June, since Annex is the Greek word meaning Lord or King. Okay, that's weird. They have some of the most aggressive mating behaviors, oh dear, in the animal kingdom. Single males will often dive bomb on a mating pair in order to separate them and give him a chance to mate with the female, and sometimes will ram and even bite to pull them apart. Dang. Females will often have scarring around her head from males grasping onto her during mating. Oh my gosh, it's like otters. Wasn't mm-hmm. that the situation? Yeah. Horrible. Anyway, mating will usually start with the male grasping onto the head of the female before they fly onto a plant to begin mating. I definitely read that as fly onto a planet. It's like, that seems wrong. Anyway, dragonflies have a unique characteristic in their genital opening and reproductive organ in the males are wait sorry okay try that again (laughs) dragonflies have a unique characteristic in that their genital opening and reproductive organ in the males are separate would that be their vent you could okay we don't use that term with insects that's weird that we use it at all anyway to deal with this he has to transfer his sperm onto a segment of his abdomen and when he connects with the female by clasping onto her head with the end of his abdomen and coaxes her into what is known as the wheel position, I've seen this picture, yep. in which the tip of her abdomen attaches to the male and he flushes out the sperm of any previous males. This is all nasty. I'm not a fan. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, another unique aspect of a darner is that it can actually thermoregulate by vibrating their large wing muscles, which increases their body temperature, and they have the ability to control the flow of hemolymph? Yep. Okay, great. Equivalent to insect blood. In order to transfer heat to other parts of the body, and this allows them to be more active at cooler temperatures than other insects. 
The green darner is among the few insects assessed by insects assessed. That was hard to say back to back by the IUCN red list and is currently listed as least concern and their population is currently stable. You're just cool. You've been assessed by the IUCN red list, which most haven't, and you're freaking awesome. Except for your sex stuff is weird. But there's always weird insect sex. You've been over this a million times. Anyway, once again, uh, choosing pretty things works out because they're so cool. <laughs> anyway, so there we go. I didn't know that about them. That's exciting to know that dragonflies are the most successful mm-hmm. hunters. They were also the first flying insects in the fossil record. So cool. I want a giant dragonfly. That should be my battle beast. <laughs> we looked at um, some fossils in my entomology class. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they have a wingspan like some hawks. Don't like that. (laughs) Don't like that. Anyway. All right. Well, that is going to bring us to our animal of the week. And our animal of the week this week is... The hellbender. Which I have like somewhat sort of heard of before, but not really. So Casey's going to tell us about it now. So these guys come from the order Urodella. Okay. And they're in the family Cryptobranchidae. Okay. And their scientific name is Cryptobranchus allegianus. Okay. Um, the species is found in the eastern United States and is found in states like Missouri, New York, Kentucky, Virginia, and Tennessee. The hellbender is, in fact, a species of salamander, so it is dependent upon water and is found living in rocky creeks and rivers and prefer cooler water no more than 20 degrees Celsius. Oh, what is that in Fahrenheit? I'd have to look. Okay, you continue. I'll look up. 20, you I said? I can never remember the formula. And I definitely could not do the calculation in my head. <laughs> um, I believe it's around 55 degrees. 68. Ah, it was... If it was 20, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, lifespan in the wild is unknown, but individuals in captivity live to be nearly 30 years old. The hellbender is the largest salamander species in North America. Adults average around 50 centimeters in length, with some larger individuals getting up to 73 centimeters. That's pretty friggin' big. Yep. We're looking at over two feet, folks. Yeah. I don't want to see that, I don't think, in the wild. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they can weigh between 1.8 to 2.3 kilograms. Like other salamander species, the hellamander is a predatory species. They feed mostly on crayfish and fish, but will also feed on insects, tadpoles, and even other hellbenders. Lovely. Yep. <laughs> there are actually two subspecies of hellbender. The first is the Ozark hellbender, which live in the rivers of Missouri and Arkansas. The other is the Eastern hellbender, which is found in the Appalachian region, as well as a few other states. This species' generic name, Cryptobranchus, actually translates to hidden gills, which is a reference to how they lose their gills around one and a half to two years of age, but do retain some juvenile characteristics because even though they lose their gills, they keep the gill slits in adulthood. Why? I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> um, they like living in fast-moving cold water, so they tend to live under rocks and logs in the water. They are a fully aquatic species, so they spend their entire lives in the water to adapt to this lifestyle. They have a paddle-shaped tail that aids them in swimming through the rivers. They also have a broad, flat head that helps them blend into the floor of the river, as well as give them a lower profile and prevents them from getting swept away from the current. Hmm, 
They also have very wrinkly skin, which increases the surface area, um, which allows them to absorb more oxygen from the water through their skin. Interesting. They do have gills when they are young, but eventually they disappear and switch to breathing primarily through their skin. That's so weird. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> I wish I could do it. <laughs> Hellbenders do have simple lungs, but instead of using them for breathing, they are used to keep the animal buoyant in water, similar to the swim bladder of a fish. Hmm, okay. And one instance, uh, instance, some scientists surgically removed a hellbender's lungs, and it was still able to live without them. That's crazy. The hellbender is sometimes called the snot otter, which is likely due to the fact that the body of these animals is covered in mucus, which helps protect them from aberration of the rocks and um, logs in the river, as well as prevent parasites from latching onto their body. Wow. This layer of mucus is also probably distasteful to predators and deters animals from attacking it. Some of the other flattering common names given to this species include mud devil, devil dog, and ground puppy. So where is it getting this the devil in the hell part from? Just because it's not cute? We don't know why I got called hellbender. Okay. <laughs> but it is not a mud puppy because those are completely different species <laughs> that look more like an axolotl. Aww. Yeah. And um, those are legal to keep in California. Okay. <laughs> um, they are typically a solitary species and only interact with one another during the breeding season, which can result in congregations of over 10 hellbenders in a single area. They will defend their shelter from other hellbenders, but are usually only displaying the aggressive um, behavior during the breeding season. During this time of year, the female will lay anywhere from 100 to 500 eggs under nesting rocks. The male will fertilize these eggs, and then he will protect them on his own for about two months, and when they until the larvae are ready to hatch. The hellbenders are a very ancient species, with evidence pointing to the hellbenders being around for about 150 million years. In evolutionary terms, they are a very unique species of salamander. They belong to the family Cryptobranchidae, uh, which are sometimes referred to as the giant salamanders, which contains just five species across two genera. So the hellbender represents around 63 million years of unique evolutionary history. Hmm, okay. The hellbender is currently listed as near threatened by the IUCN Red List. The biggest threat to the hellbender is habitat loss and degradation. Since the hellbender is reliant primarily on its skin for breathing, it requires cool, well-oxygenated water flowing um, in the river in order to survive. They have been impacted by the construction of dams, which slow the flow of water, as well as logging, mining, and road construction is causing sediment to run into their rocky river habitat. Oh no. Mm -hmm. The Ozark Hellbender is particularly in peril, having a significant decline back in the 80s and 90s, and back in 2011, the species was listed as endangered by the Endangered Species Act. There is dam removal project underway in multiple states to help restore the hellbender's habitat, as well as captive breeding programs to help the species. Some zoos, like the St. Louis Zoo, have even had success producing second-generation clutches of hellbenders and have had successful reintroductions. That's good. Yeah. And if you live in those areas, quit moving rocks around in the river and building structures because that's taking away habitat from them. Okay. Yeah. I believe it was Fish and Wildlife even posted on their Instagram of them um, taking apart these structures because it takes away hiding places for them. Okay. 
Don't mess with nature, folks. Yeah, I used to do that when I was a kid. I mean, we always do everything yeah. when we were kids. I also never look at a tree and don't want to climb it. <laughs> I always want to climb every tree. Yeah. Anyway. So there you go. The Hellbender, which we don't know why it's called the Hellbender. Someone mm-hmm. who named it was just like, I don't like it. Anyway. So there we go. Also, Bender. Weird. All of it's weird. All of it is weird. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. Well, it is time to um, for a challenge. And we are going to get back to our cups, um, which, again, is our like sort of like taboo type thing um because we usually have a problem of not doing very well and it takes us all season to get through this so uh let's get five minutes on the clock and let's see i guess i'll roll it on the soft part it's fine oh it's me again yeah that's a good number anyway okay and also not a waste thank you keep rolling low this is what i need all right so here oh gosh we uh, go um Oh, this was my, when you chose a desert tortoise, I just want to make sure there's none of these words in here. This was my choice of that same Western category. Western fence lizard. Yay, good job. Let's see. Oh, um, biggest country in South America. Brazil. Um, it's a pokey rodent. Brazilian porcupine. Correct. Okay, cool. Uh, oh, that's upside down. Um, this was one of my choices. They live in the ocean. And they make themselves look like other animals, including... Mimic uh, octopus. Yeah, there you go. Oh, gosh, dropping things. Okay. Let's see. Oh. Okay. It's an arachnid. Not hump, but hop, but... Not hop? It's not a hopping. Jump. It's some sort of jumping spider. Yes. Is it a Porsche uh, jumping spider? Yes, it is. Okay, great. All right. Um... This was your choice for something. There's so many words in here I can't say. Um, I don't even remember what the category was. Um, you remember the continent? Nope. Um, they live in the water. Okay. And there is, I can't say that word, there's a type of bovine. Um, Bowl. From Texas. Long, oh, yes. longhorn boxfish. Nope, try a oh, different animal. Longhorn cowfish. There we go. <laughs> Oh, um, another name for a male cow. A bull? And, um, nah, 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 nah. Bull shark? Yeah. <laughs> so weird. I don't think you can sing. Okay, this was one of our animals of the week. You would think I don't remember where it was from. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, and it's also something people say as an insult to people. Like, you're such a, I don't, I don't. Okay, so there. Robin's friend superhero is he wears Batman. a lot of black. Yeah. Oh, you had a bat. Oh, uh. And if you're really cold, and you can't feel anything. What? I'm really cold and I can't feel anything because my hands have gone numb. Oh, numb bat. There we go. What the heck? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, you were talking about how this would be terrifying. Um. Clowns? No. Oh. With my news article. So, they belong in the ocean. Okay. Very common. You eat them. Fish. And you don't want them in the air because they would be... Flying fish. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm. Um, okay. This was something I'd never heard about, and they're terrifying. Not terrifying, but, like, they have a partly translucent head. Translucent oh, barrel eye. Yeah, there we go. So... We have them in California. It was my choice for 
your fence lizard category. <laughs> Desert tortoise. There we go. Great. Um, oh, this was. Um, it is an aquatic animal, and it's from Mexico ish area. No, but it's it's more like a cetacean. Oh, vaquita. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so it's not my neck, but my throat. Um, not blue, but red. A uh, red throated something. Um, in the pool, you a noodle. Instead of jump, you dive. A red throated diver. Yes. Really? Well, it's got to be a bird. Okay, that's some random thing I put in there. Oh, this is the biggest animal on Earth. Blue whale. Yay. Let's see. We live in the best state. California. Condor. Yes. <laughs> Great. Um, uh, this was one of my choices. I'm losing what our categories were, yo. Um, they, it's a type of fish, I can say that, and it's on the ocean that's near us. Pacific. Yeah, and they they're packed in, real tight. A lot of oh, animals. Oh, sorry, Pacific yeah. sardine. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the largest bony fish. Oh no! Here we go again. Sunfish, ocean sunfish. Yes. Yay. Okay. Um. Nope. That was upside down. This was one of my choices, and um, you write with something that looked really fancy back in the day. Feather. Okay. Quill. But, no, but what do you write Pen. with though? Yes. Okay. But it's. Under the C, C pen. Yes. Okay. <gasps> okay. Um, not rare, but common. Trash panda is also called a raccoon. Raccoon dog. Common yep. raccoon dog. Yep. Um. Okay. This is one of our animals of the week, and it's an arachnid, and it goes. I can say water. It goes in the oh, water. Oh, diving bell spider. Yeah. There we go. And that's time. Time. How do we do? Three, four, five. I got nine. I got ten. We got nineteen. <gasps> that was pretty good. I mean, that's like not that much more than normal, but like mm. that was pretty good. I say, go team. All right. Well, how exciting. Um, there we go. Did we ever answer? I just realized. Did we ever we answer? We didn't. We didn't. <laughs> So we were going to come back and let you know about last week's challenge about if all the animals were correct. And the one we couldn't remember was Pygmy Hippo, folks. And it was indeed vulnerable. It's endangered. Endangered. There we go. So I love that I just remembered that now. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, that's. And just as a correction, Somali wild ass is a subspecies, but African wild ass, which is the actual species, is endangered still. Okay. Well, we're still so, accepting yeah. it. So there you go. Anyway, um,. I am confused as to what. Nope, that's right. Okay. You're anyway, I'm so sorry. I got very confused by bags. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for listening to episode 93. As always, we're your host, Allie. And I'm Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast. Bye.